Today starts our new series, Hungry... Uh, well, actually, the games people play, and the game we're looking at today is Hungry, Hungry Hippo. And um, we're going to look at several different things today about the attitude, this attitude of I've got to have more, I need more, and all kinds of things like that. So what I want you to do is watch this VeggieTales video. I, I have most of these memorized because my kids watch them all the time. Um, great thing. I, I don't know if you ever used to watch Looney Tunes. Who used to watch Looney Tunes? What I like about Looney Tunes is... There are, you know, hidden jokes that adults can get, you know, stuff like that. Well, that's the same way with, uh, with VeggieTales. Their theme is uh, uh, Sunday morning values, Saturday morning fun. And so they, uh, they're in direct competition with Looney Tunes and folks like that. But I want you to watch this. you got Bob and Larry in this scene, and they are um, talking about this attitude that, uh, that we're going to be looking at today, this hungry, hungry hippo attitude. Watch how this goes. Hi, kids. I'm Bob the Tomato, and welcome to... Uh, I'm Bob the Tomato, and welcome to... Larry, what are you doing? Come over here. I'll be right there. Wow. What is this thing? It's my new Thuvi Action Jeep. I've been wanting it just forever, and now it's finally mine. Wow. You must be pretty happy to get a cool toy like that. Oh, yeah. Well, almost. Almost? Well, there's just one more thing I need to be really happy. What's that? The camper. The what? The Fuvi Action Camper. You just took it up to the trailer hitch on my action jeep, and I'll be ready for a weekend of wilderness fun. Oh, so once you get the camper, then you'll be happy? I don't know. There's also the dirt bike. The dirt bike? And the jet ski. Ah. Uh, and the action hang glider. Larry, how much stuff do you need to be happy? I don't know. How much stuff is there? <laughs> How much stuff is there? Uh, we're going to talk about that. Now, um, in, the, in the game Hungry, Hungry Hippo, the object is, and we're actually going to play this here in a minute, but the object is for the hippo to get as many marbles as possible. You win if your hippo gets out there and gobbles more marbles than the other hippo. And so I'm just warning you now, I'm going to need four volunteers in just a minute. Don't raise your hands yet. I know you want to get up here and you want to play, but we'll do that in just a minute. Now, it's a fast-paced game, and you're going to hear all kinds of noise, and we're going to have the hippo cam coming in, and, and you're going to get to cheer for your team. And how you're going to know who your team is, if you look at the top of your listening guide, there are colors. The very first sentence at the top of your listening guide has a color, and that's, that's the hippo that you're going to cheer for. So we got green, we got pink, we got yellow, and we got orange. If yours looks any kind of dark and you think it might be a pink, it's not. Pink is very, very light. So we'll, we'll go through that in just a minute. Now, it's a fast-paced game, so you gotta, you know, you're, you're going to be hitting this thing, and you're going to be having a good time. But what I've noticed is nobody plays the game very long. You watch sometimes. You get a group of kids. You get them to play Hungry Hippo. They might play it three, four times, but then it gets old because you're just doing the same thing over and over. And you'd think that we would learn from this Hungry Hippo-type game that, that as we're children, it's an okay game. But as adults, we shouldn't be playing that. But we're not that smart. We um, we carry the hungry hippo attitude into our adult lives, don't we? Now, maybe you don't, but but I do. Um, we think that the latest doohickey will make us happy. You see what happened with me in my life? 
I guess it was a year ago. Well, yeah, exactly. One year ago, we got Dish Network. We got a DVR. And I thought, man, this is going to make me happy. I got all this stuff. I, I don't have to watch it when it's on. I can tape it. I can put it on the hard drive and, and I'll have a great time watching movies. Well, you know how that goes. There's like a hundred hours on my on my hard drive and, and I filled it up in no time and I still haven't watched those movies and my kids haven't watched those movies and we're deleting stuff all of the time. So I, I did some work this past uh, spring and I made a little bit of extra money and I had been lusting after a DVD recorder. Now, I have those on my on my computer, but I wanted one that I could plug right into my DVR and record the movies and the shows and don't have to watch them. Then don't even have to take up my hard drive space. I can put it directly on a DVD. And so Janie says to me, my wife says, why don't you take some of that extra money and buy one of those DVD recorders you've been wanting so badly? And I thought, I have permission. So the hunt was on and I'm one of those people that I get on the Internet and I study and I find, you know, the, the reports about what which ones need to be repaired more than others. And, you know, I'm doing all that stuff. And what I come up with is the light on LVW 1107HC1 DVD recorder. Everybody say, ooh, this was going to make me happy. So I spent my hundred and thirty bucks. And I brought it home and I plugged it in and I did all of those things. This was four months ago. I got my happiness. You know how many movies that I've recorded the DVD? One. Because what I told Janie was, you know, in my mind, I rationalized. We don't just want a DVD recorder. We need a DVD recorder because we got all these VHS tapes and we can convert them over to DVD because we're getting rid of all of the VHS players in our house. And it would be so much more convenient and storage was going to be great. You know how many things I've converted from VHS to DVD? Zero. Boy, am I happy. Now, you may be a little different than I am. But so often we get our eyes on things or stuff and we think, if I just had one more thing or if I had that, I'd really be happy. But that's not really true, is it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to listen to the words of this song, which talks about what we really need. Now, maybe it's not the latest electronic doohickey that would make you happy, but usually most of us have something that we think, oh, if I only had that. I would be happy. Um, if you ever get this, this video, this VeggieTales video, Madam Blueberry, you'll see that uh, Madam Blueberry is upset about life. She's blue, and she sings the song that she's blue because her life, she doesn't have everything everybody else has. She is so jacked up that she um, has pictures of, um, of the things that her neighbors have that she wants, and she keeps them on her mantle around her house. And so she compares. Now, you may not be that bad. You may not say, oh, well, if I only had that house or that car. But usually there's something we have that, that we really want in our life and we think it would make us happy. Let's say that you are a young lady, early 20s, driving around the loop in Palestine, Texas. You pull up to a light, of which there are too many on the loop in Palestine, Texas. But you pull up to a light and you sit there and then up comes this SUV with this immaculate blonde sitting there. She's got her hair permed. Her nails are perfect. She got that big old diamond rock on. And, and you look over there and you go, oh. 
You look in the back seat and all you can see is the top of her little kid's head. And you think, oh, if only I were married and had a family, then I would be happy. What you don't realize is the lady in that SUV is sitting there going, man, it stinks in here. What is that? It's cottage cheese growing in the sippy cup. There's, there's got to be a dead animal because that smell can't be from my child in the backseat. I'm so glad I have a sunroof in this SUV. <sighs> you know, she's breathing up there. We all compare our lives to somebody else. We all think there, there is something. You know, we always see the good stuff. We don't see the bad stuff. And so we all have this attitude that if I only had a little bit more. Well, what we're going to do today, just to kind of drive this point home, is we are going to have our uh, Hungry Hippo game. And I need four volunteers. Excuse me, ladies. I've got to turn this light on. I need four volunteers. One. Come on, Dwayne. Come on, Jamie. Mark. And Ashley. Here we go. All right. Now, y'all pick a color. Come pick a color. Pick a color. All right. Look on your card. Look on your sheet, on your listening guide. You know which one you are? Come on. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We've got to practice. We've got to practice this. Now, if you've ever been to a Rangers game, you know that they have the dot race. This is similar to the dot race, so the Rangers game. You, Oh, look at that. We have the Hungry Hippo Cam going on. Now, what we've got to do, though, is that the dot race at the Rangers game, you are handed out a color, and you cheer for your color. And if your color wins, then you get a free bottle of water, Ozarka water from Tom Thumb. Okay, well, we're, we're going to... We're going to conduct an experiment today. We're going to find out if you all will get into cheering for your team. But then we're also going to find out how many of you can carry your listening guide or bring it back next week. Because if you bring it back next week, you too will get a prize if your color is the winning one. All right. You with me? And it won't be a bottle of water that you have to go get at Ozarka. It'll probably be like, you know. Sam's brand of cola or something. But but we're splurgers around here, so you bring it back. We're just going to see how many of you bring it back. Okay, now, how many of you are, are have orange? You're supposed to be cheering for orange. Man, y'all stink. Let's try it again. Come on, cheer for orange. Let's hear it. All right, that's Jamie. All right, we got Mark. He's got on the green shirt, and he is the green hippo. Who has green? Not bad, not bad. Ashley's pink. Who's got pink? Yeah! Hey, we're doing all right. And then Dwayne has yellow. Let me hear it. Now, if we were just going on yellow, I think yellow would win. But we're not. We are actually going to have a competition. This is a best two out of three. Ready, set. You got to cheer. Go! Green and pink. 
This is only between orange and yellow. If you don't have them, sorry, you can cheer anyway. Give us some conciliatory cheers. Yeah, thank you. Ready, set, go! You got some inside? Yeah. Dwayne says, don't rip me off. I think I got that one. Yeah. Oh, yellow is the winner! Oh, <laughs> so, uh, bring your, bring your uh, listening guide back, back next week and you can get a prize. And if you pay attention, this is what my kids did at the Rangers game. They start crawling through all of the, the seats for people who threw theirs away that didn't care. And so they got extra ones. So we'll have some of that today, I feel certain. Now, what I want to do today is I want to introduce you to the biggest, baddest, hungry hippo player in the history of the world. He's like the undefeated, undisputed world champion of hungry hippo playing. And he's in the Bible. Do you know that? You didn't know that existed back in the Bible, did you? His name is Solomon. Solomon, we're told, is the richest, the wisest man who ever lived. Surely, if anybody was going to be happy, it would be this guy, because he was the champ. He had 600 wives. I'm sorry. I'm thinking that's not very wise, but we won't go into that. I'm like, one is enough for me. She's a good one. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything about my wife, but 600 wives and 300 mistresses. I remember when I was a teenager going, never mind, I won't even tell you what I was thinking as a teenager. We don't need to go there. Well, what, what Solomon does is... Because he has all of this wisdom, because he has all of this money, he can do whatever he wants to. People are lining up just to see this guy. One time the queen from Sheba comes all of these miles just to hang out with him because she had heard about his fame. She'd heard about his wisdom. And she says to him, your wisdom, the things I'd heard, compares nothing to how wise you are, how, how um, rich you are. And so because he has all of this, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes says that, that Solomon decided that I'm going to withhold nothing from myself. I'm going to try it all. And then Ecclesiastes is the record of him trying to find happiness. Let's see what uh, he has to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. I just love this book. It's kind of depressing, but I love it anyway. What do people get for all their hard work? Generations come and go, but nothing really changes. The sun rises and sets and hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and north, here and there, twisting back and forth, getting nowhere. The rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows again to the sea. Everything is so weary and tiresome. No, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. What can you point to that is new? How do you know it didn't already exist long ago? We don't remember what happened in those former times. And in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. 
We ought to have this guy at, you know, like graduation ceremonies. Nothing you do matters, you know. <laughs> he is a motivational speaker here. He's got this bleak outlook on life because he's tried everything and everything leaves him empty. So if that's true, if the wisest, richest, best hungry hippo player ever says he's tried it all and it's all meaningless, what is the point of life? That's what we're going to discover. I think if Solomon were here today, he would tell us three things. First, on your listening guide, he would tell us that you don't find lasting satisfaction in pleasure. That's what we're going to talk about today is how to get lasting satisfaction. Well, you don't find it in pleasure. He says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Would you agree that the commercials that we have on television, they are designed to make you feel discontent? They want you to think that what you have is not good enough. If you only try this product, your life will be great. The taste that satisfies. Well, that's not true. If it's satisfied, you only need one cup. You know, you wouldn't need another cigarette because it would satisfy that. That taste would satisfy the drugs, whatever it is. This will satisfy. Well, no, it doesn't. Nothing satisfies. Um, have you ever gone to the refrigerator late at night, you know, done a refrigerator raid? I did this just the other night. Go to the refrigerator and you open up and you just stand there. <laughs> Ain't a thing in there you want. You don't really need it, but there's just a twinge of a hunger pang. And so you're thinking, I got to have something. Janie, I'll say, we got the munchies. We got the munchies. What do you want? I don't know. So you try a little bit of this. You try a little bit of that. Nothing satisfies. You go to bed, you're still got that hunger pang. Well, a lot of people treat life that same way. To the point that they say, I'll try anything. I'll try drugs. I'll try alcohol. I'll try sex. I'll try being successful. I'll try all of these different things. And they find out later in life that it doesn't satisfy. They'll try one night stands. They'll try different marriages. If this marriage partner doesn't work out, then I'll go find another marriage partner. And the Bible tells us very clearly. One of the things I love about the Bible, it's very practical. And it says the pleasures of sin last for a time. Now, the Bible's very, very upfront and acknowledges that sin is fun for a time, but it doesn't last. And so the first thing Solomon wants you to know is you do not find lasting satisfaction in pleasure. The second thing he wants you to know is you do not find lasting satisfaction in performance, in performance. Ecclesiastes 2, 22 and 23. So what do people get for all their hard work? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, they cannot rest. It is all utterly meaningless. Here we are again, just positive words from Solomon. There's a myth that says satisfaction or that success produces satisfaction. Have you ever heard of successful people that aren't satisfied in their lives? Why do you think there's a lot of midlife crises going on? It's because people have done the ladder of success. They've climbed it and they realize their ladder's against the wrong wall. <laughs> and they're up there without their family. And then they try other things. Success does not produce lasting satisfaction. They have an emptiness because there's something more. Third thing Solomon would tell you is that you don't find lasting satisfaction in possessions. Possessions. Today, there are more products available than ever before. Think about how many more products we have now than 10 years ago. At least twice as many products are available now than there were 10 years ago. Are people twice as happy today as they were 10 years ago? What about 20 years ago, 50 years ago? Seems like back then when life was more simplified, folks were more happy. So you don't find success or lasting satisfaction in possessions. 
Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 5, He who loves money will never have enough. The foolishness of thinking wealth brings happiness. Poor people say, if I just get some money, if I get enough money, then I'll be happy. Rich people know that's not true. At least the poor people have hope. <laughs> Rich people are there and they know that, that that doesn't satisfy. So to sum it up, here's what Solomon tells us. After he tried everything under the sun, pleasure is meaningless, work is meaningless, possessions are meaningless. So now that we've got all that down and we're depressed, let's go home. Eat some ice cream. Just go pick out on something. No, we're not done. Solomon's message is that that the meaning of life is not in things. It's not in what you do. There is a meaning to life and it comes straight from the lips of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, verse six. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness, for they will be fully satisfied. I want you to circle those two words on your listening guide. Fully satisfied. Anybody here want to be satisfied? I know I do. We're hungry and thirsty, all right, but we don't know what for. So I'm going to show you in the next few minutes the secret to true satisfaction. Here we go. Number one, recognize my real hunger. Recognize my real hunger. What is it that's missing in my life? What is it that's not there? A lot of people don't have any clue what they want in life, so they try all kinds of different things. Now, I'm going to show you another clip at the end of Madame Blueberry. What's funny about this movie, and boy, you can relate to it, it's only a 30-minute deal, but in Madame Blueberry, what happens is they build something down the road called Stuff Mart. And Stuff Mart has everything to make your dreams come true. And so the salesmen come by and they talk about how her stuff isn't good enough. And she says, you're right, it's not good enough. They take her to the store and she starts buying everything on credit. They're like, do you want one of these? Sure. Do you want one of these? Sure. And then uh, finally at the end, she sees this little boy who doesn't get what he wants. And yet he's happy. He's content. And she says, I don't have that. Where do you buy one of those? Watch this clip. Now, madame was even more confused. How could this little boy be so happy after not getting what he really wanted? And why didn't she feel happy, even so she was getting everything she wanted? Ah, madam, I think you're going to enjoy our next aisle. Toasted ovens. It was at this moment that Madame Liberty had a revolutionary thought. I don't a toaster oven? Well, of course you don't need a toaster oven. I mean, really, who needs any of this stuff? But I think we both know that you want a toaster oven. No, I don't. But at last, I think I know what I do want. Well, what? I want what that little boy with the ball has, and what the little girl with the piece of pie has. What's that? A happy heart. A, a, a what? A happy heart. They both have happy hearts. What aisle are the happy hearts in? I'm afraid we don't have those. What she wanted, she realized that she couldn't buy. Now... I want you to think about what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that God made us to want to know him. He put a hunger inside of us. And, and so if you're thinking, you might say, well, how does God put the hunger inside of us? Well, for the answer to that, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. Now, the, the Bible is, is split up into two sections. There's the Old Testament, which I, I like 
how one pastor described it, the Older Testament. It's just as valid today as it was back then, but it was written before, so it's older. And you got the New Testament. The New Testament is all about Jesus. The Older Testament is all about how God did things in and through people and how people discovered they couldn't get back to God. So God had to send Jesus in the Newer Testament. All right, so let's go back to the Older Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. It says this, God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. He did this to help you realize that real life comes by obeying every command of God. Now, you got to understand the children of Israel, that's God's chosen people. They had been led out of Egypt. They um, were going into, well, they were supposed to go into the promised land. They made some bad, bad choices. They didn't get to go into the promised land that God had promised them. That's how it got the name, the promised land. So they're wandering around in, in the wilderness. There are at least a million men. That's not counting women and children. So there's at least a million folks wandering around in the wilderness of Sinai. There's no Taco Bells in Sinai back then. There's no Taco Bells in Sinai today. I wouldn't suggest that you go look for one. So how do you feed a million men and their wives and their children. I mean, now, God could have supernaturally fed them because the Bible tells us very clearly. This, this blows my mind. It's one of those miracles that blows my mind. It says that, that their clothes and their shoes did not wear out while they walked around for 40 years. Y'all ever had clothes that lasted 40 years? I'm 41. I don't even have clothes that are 40 years old. I've looked at my dad's closet. My dad has clothes that are 40 years old, but we won't go into that. I think he still wears some of them. Um, yeah, we won't go there. But but God says that he allowed them to get hungry. He could have supernaturally fed them, but he didn't. He allowed them to get hungry. Why is that? Well, he did it, he says, so that they would realize their need for him, so that they would learn to depend on him. And so God allows you to get hungry. God allows problems in your life so that you will begin to realize you can't handle it on your own. And God wants to be the one who feel fills those needs. So God's trying to get your attention. So God says what you need is not pleasure. You don't need possessions. You don't need performance. It's me. I made you with a God hunger inside of you and you can try everything else in the world. And people do. And they end up dissatisfied. And God says, I've been here all along. I'm the one you need. I'm the one that wants to meet those needs. So the first thing you got to do is recognize your real hunger is not for stuff. Your real hunger, your spiritual soul hunger is for God. The second thing you need to do is stop eating junk food. Now, I'm not going to get on a diet thing here because we just had one of these conversations yesterday at a birthday party. I'm not counting calories, but I'm talking about spiritual junk food. Quit looking for things in life that don't satisfy. Isaiah 55, 2 says, why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? He's saying, quit wasting your time and your money on things of the world that don't satisfy. What you're looking for is God. Quit eating spiritual junk food. There's a plant that grows in Australia and the spores of this clover fern can be made into bread. The problem, however, is there are zero nutrients in this bread. There's no carbohydrates, no vitamins, no protein, nothing that will sustain life. People who eat this bread get their bellies full. But if they depend on this bread only, you know what happens? They die. Although they felt full, they'll die because they're not getting any nutrition. Spiritual junk food is like that. It's stuff that does not satisfy. There are no uh, spiritual nutrients. And if you keep depending on spiritual junk food, then your soul is going to shrivel up and die. You will not feel satisfied. So here's the thing. If if you hang out with people who go after spiritual junk food or who are chasing the things of the world, guess what you'll be drawn to do? 
We become like people we hang out with. If you don't have a hunger for God and you desire a hunger for God, then spend time with people who are pursuing God. If you hang out with people that are not pursuing the things of God before long, you'll be going down their path. And before you know it, you'll look back and you'll see that God hasn't moved. You have. And there is a huge distance between the two of you. And you've got to make a choice that you're going to come back to him. So get around people who are hungry for God. The third thing is here it is. This is the main point today. Look to Christ for satisfaction. Look to Christ for satisfaction. All right, back in the Newer Testament about Jesus, John eight thirty five. this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That sounds like wonder bread, right? Eat this bread, you'll live forever. Bread is a basic essential of life. Whenever there are famines in, in certain countries, one of the first things they fly into that country is flour. Why? So that they can make bread. It's a necessity of life. Jesus is comparing himself to bread and he's saying, I'm it. I'm your necessity. What you really need to live is me. You're looking for other things, but I'm the bread of life. I'm the essential. One of, one of the um, popular thoughts nowadays is find satisfaction in yourself or find happiness in yourself. That's pretty stupid. Because when you're physically hungry, do you say stomach feed thyself? (laughs) No, it doesn't work. You have to go to an outside source in order to fill that need that's in your stomach physically. Well, when there's a spiritual vacuum in your life, don't say to yourself, be your own God. There's a whole spiritual movement out there that will try to teach you that you are your own God. You go up on a mountaintop and you're supposed to yell out enough. I am God. I am God. I am God. I am God until you believe it. And I've always thought I I read one guy. He said, can you imagine the God of the universe looking down at you like we look down at those little ants that I was smashing in my shower last night? Can you imagine this person going up on top of the mountain and God's looking down? God's bigger than the whole universe. And and the person's going, I am God, I am God. I mean, think of an ant saying that to you and you're I don't care how much you say it. You are not God and you will not be able to fill that need in your heart. God says he is the bread of life. And so you've got to um, you got to go to an outside source to fill that need that's inside of you, that spiritual hunger that's inside of you. Jesus also said in John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus said, whoever drinks water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will be will never be thirsty again. It will become in him a spring of living water. Well, water is even more essential than food, right? You can go several days, weeks without food, but you can't go more than about three days without water. And so 70 percent of your body is water. All the cells of your body need water to survive. And so what I think Jesus is saying here is more than you want me, you need me. I'm like spiritual water to your soul and you need me to survive in life. And when you're thirsty, cost is immaterial. You don't care what it costs. You've got to have it. Now, I want you to look back at these verses and I want you to circle some words for me. The, the John eight thirty five and John 14. Uh, 4, 13 and 14. In the first verse, I want you to circle the word come where Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Then same verses and then circle the word believes. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then go down to John four and circle the word um, drinks where he says, whoever drinks the water I will I give will never be thirsty again. Three words that, I, that sum up what we're talking about today. Come, believe and drink. The point is that when you have a physical hunger, 
If you've got a need, it does not get satisfied until you take action, right? You've got to get up off the couch if you're watching TV. Some people holler at their wives, but they don't really respond to that. Honey, bring me something. <laughs> no, that doesn't work very well. I, w- I would advise against that. Um, you don't stop your hunger. You don't stop your stomach growling until you actually take action. And the same thing is true spiritually. Jesus is saying here, you've got to take action. And some of you have never done this. You've never taken these steps. You've never come to Christ and believed in Him. You've believed about Him, but you've not believed in Him. And see, there's a difference. I believe in Hitler, but that doesn't make me a Nazi. Right? I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm a Christian because I've committed my life to Him. I've received Him. And that's what we're going to, I want to talk about. So I want you to take your registration card. You got, everybody should have gotten a registration card. And I want you to just put your name on there real quick. And I want you to turn it over to the back because I'm going to have you do something here in a second. After you get your name on the front, turn it over on the back and I want you to write, write one under the other. The words come, believe, drink. Now, do you want to know the, the secret to satisfaction? You have to nod your heads big with these lights. I can't see you real. I can see y'all. All right. Here it is. Psalm 37, 4. Seek your happiness in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. So here's the secret that you need to take out of here today. Don't seek happiness. Seek God. See the difference? God says, when you seek me, I will supply all of your needs. Not all your greeds. I'll supply all of your needs. God will be involved in your life. So how do you do that? Well, you have to orient your life around God. You've got to do these three things. First of all, you've got to come to God. You've got to come and say, God, here I am and offer yourself to him. The second thing, and if you've done that, if you've ever come to God, I want you to put a check mark next to that word come on the back of your registration card. Second step is to believe in Christ. That means you believe he lived a perfect life. That means you believe he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. That believe that means that you believe that he's not in the grave, that he rose from the dead on the third day and that he now lives in heaven uh, with God. And it says in the Bible that he always lives to make intercession for us. What he's doing now is he is praying to God, the father on our behalf. You believe those things. So if you believe those things, put a check mark next to believe. Now, the Bible says that the demons even believe in Jesus Christ and they shudder. They're scared to death about him. So believing is not enough. You got to go to step three, which is drink. You know what that means? That actually means receive him into your life. How do you do that? The Bible's real clear. Romans 10, 13, it says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what we say around here is you have to ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. What that means is you've got to admit that you are a sinner. First of all, you are a sinner. And then you say, God, I need you to forgive me of that sin. And I, I want you to be the boss of the rest of my life. So if you've done that, if there's been a time that you've asked Christ to come into your heart, be the forgiver of your sin, the leader of your life, then I want you to check, put a check mark next to drink. Now, some of you've done all those things and you still do not feel close to God. So I need to ask you, how is your hunger for God? Do you really want all of God there is? Or are you like the person who says, I just need a little sip. Just give me a little sip on Sunday morning. That's all I need is a little sip and and that'll be fine. I want five cents worth of God. Or do you say, I want all of God there is in my life? Now, I want you to know that if if you are not close to God, 
It's your fault. You are as close to God as you want to be. Don't blame your husband, your wife, your children, your job. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Because God works in us according to our desires. If our hearts desire to know Him and be filled by Him, then He says He will do amazing things in us. But He won't force Himself on us. He's a gentleman and He waits on you to turn that over to Him. Now, I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I think that's after the third thing that Solomon tells us. Yeah, under number three up there, you don't find lasting satisfaction in possessions. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness. Now, in the Greek, which is what the Newer Testament was written in, the Greek language, there are actually two words for hungry. One of the words describes, just give me a little bite. I just want a little piece of bread, just, just a little bit. The other word in Greek that describes hungry is, I need the whole loaf. If you're a guessing person, which one do you think Jesus used here? I want the whole loaf. <laughs> I've seen my son do that. Give me the whole loaf, Dad. I'm starving. He's 11 years old. I'm starving. I'm going to shrivel up and die. What Jesus is saying here is, if you want to truly be satisfied, you've got to be the person who says, I want all of God there is. Give me the whole loaf. So if you're not close, as close to God as you want to be, would you be willing to say, I want all of God there is? And if so, just write that on the back of your card. 